0: And welcome to That's Debatable, the weekly news podcast of the Free Speech Union. Right, Tom, where the bloody hell should we start? Honestly, Ben, I have no idea. It's been a crazy week in the free speech world. And we're going to cover a bunch of that stuff uh, 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 over the next uh, hour or so. But I think your, your weekend's been completely torpedoed by press appearances. You're becoming You're becoming the face of the Free Speech Union, I think, Ben.
1: It's, it's, it's been... It, we, we've had this major news story going on, right? Mm. So, I mean, if I describe some of the uh, uh, of the detail of this, and if I'd said this to you just two years ago, say, three years ago, so we've been helping Colonel Dr. Kelvin Wright. He's a consultant, and he is a reservist, or was, in the army, an army medic. He had served for 14 years, including two years in Afghanistan. He had been... um at the the oh, he he'd been on basically on the most dangerous possible missions. I, I think you could imagine he'd been on the medical evacuation helicopters rescuing injured troops from the front line. These were a particular target for the Taliban. Um, and then he'd run a army hospital medical unit. Colonel Wright last month, sorry, no, two months ago now, this is back in May. Shared a post on Facebook which quoted Helen Joyce and said, "Men cannot be women." and made the point in this post that if you cannot even define the category woman then it's impossible to speak meaningfully of women's rights. He didn't add any commentary to this post, he just shared it. As a result of that, he was placed under investigation by the army. Uh, the allegation related to the army's uh, policy on the management of transgender personnel. And he felt that he had no choice but to leave and to uh, retire early from the reserves where he served as I said for 14 years. Now, as I said, if you've been told that story two or three years ago that a colonel with such mm. an incredibly distinguished career of public service would be forced out, made to feel completely unable to remain um because he said men cannot be women
0: mm. would you have believed that it's astonishing it, it it's i mean uh, it, it it's horrifying it's bewildering um a, a colonel like that has as you say defended our country is the backbone of what it means to be um on the side of our country um uh, 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 you know on the side of right on the side of freedom on the side of democracy on the side of honor on the side of all the words that we should be gathering around and celebrating you know when we we when we 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 celebrate uh, or remember, have Remembrance Day, and we we watch our troops go past the cenotaph. And we've seen a lot of our troops. We saw them at the uh, coronation. We saw them at the, the Queen's funeral. We see them on Remembrance Day. They've, they've had a year of of being in the limelight, and we realize how important they are. When When the Ukraine kicks off, we realize how important they are. We realize how much we rely on them, and we realize what they represent for us again and again and again. And for a colonel who's done that, to be caught up by these thought police. I I am struggling for words, Ben. To we, we talk about Orwell, we talk about Aldous Huxley, we talk about Dystopian, we talk about religion, we talk about the mafia, we talk about the thought police. You know, in some senses, we've got all of those elements here coming into the story and dragging down a man of honor into that mire and that mud. And the last person in this country who deserves that is is Colonel Dr. Kelvin Wright. So um, I'm just so happy that we're part of the fight back and our listeners are part of this fight back. We're on the side of right here. There is no doubt about that. Um, And and that is, I think, something we should be taking heart over. We are a place that, that a colonel like that can come to for help. But it's it 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 pulls me. You know, we have only been around for two years. You're right. If we roll the clap, clock back to to when we started, people were saying, "Why do you need a free speech union? Why, do, yeah. why, why, Toby? Why are you setting this up?" There is no cancel culture. Well, let's remember this case. Let's remember this case because it's pretty shocking.
1: So much of the commentary online has has been of the character of this is what has happened at the end of 13 years of conservative government and. Countries going to hell in a handcart and so on. And I completely get that mm. that read of the situation and, and that, that sense of despondency and despair. But I think actually it's really important to, um, as you've just said, to fight back, to defend our mm. member in a situation like this, to clear his name publicly. And to make sure that this can't happen again. And one of the points he, he, we've been speaking since May, early May, and one of the points he puts me right at the beginning of that when he alerted us to this situation um, was what message does this send to women in the army, mm. you know, particularly to, to junior women in the armed forces? Because you have a situation where if even a, a colonel can be investigated like this and and in An attempt to intimidate him, essentially, and and for him to be forced out to feel that he he can't remain um, in the army anymore. You know what message does that send mm. to to women? I mean, it's it's just absolutely atrocious. And
0: and it's these networks, the back- isn't it, Ben? It's these networks yes. in the whether it's the army or the Ministry of Defence or or wherever yeah. these LGBTQ networks that are kind of um, clinging onto every element of the internal bureaucracy uh, and the internal administ- administrative blob and they found their way in like a sort of snaky plant so that you say the wrong thing and it doesn't matter in the sort of mainstream hierarchy it doesn't matter where you fit in that which has been the way the army has been run for millennia uh this sort of creepy plant has has come in and, and and taken over and now calls the shots. It's it's very strange to see that, that that's where we've got to. And it's not very reassuring as a
1: civilian that
0: this is what the
1: army and the Ministry of Defence are spending their time doing, that they're, they're expending their resources investigating and persecuting somebody with such a distinguished career of public service. So it's very troubling, just in that respect alone yeah um but as a result of of this we have introduced colonel wright to uh, a specialist employment barrister uh, and we will be paying his legal fees so it's it's not just a case of of despairing at how bad things have got i mean the of course you want to despair because it's awful that we're in this situation and the free speech union shouldn't have to exist and we shouldn't have to be defending a colonel or anybody else who has stated that that men cannot be women and and found himself getting in trouble for it Um, none of these things should be going on of course but it is possible to respond in a constructive way and there has been an outpouring of support unsurprisingly for colonel wright uh, and people just absolutely incredulous that this situation has arisen, that an investigation was even commenced. I mean, it yeah. you, you couldn't really manufacture a more farcical situation. And yet, as you say, Tom, there'll still be people, I think a diminishing number of people, who will say, oh, well, you know, council culture, it's a, it's a <laughs> sort of confected outrage of the right-wing press and that there's no evidence for it and there must be something else going on um, and there must be something else to this story that, that the yeah. press aren't reporting. Well, I, I can say, I've been speaking to Colonel Wright for... Um, six or seven weeks now, and I can confirm that there is no secret, hidden dimension to this story that is not yeah. being reported. It is exactly as it is being reported in the yeah. press, um, and it, it, this situation should never have arisen.
0: And that's well, it, that's it, that. It, it reminds me of uh, we talked uh, a lot about the, uh, the 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 calendar, the the, the calendar of LGBTQI events during yes. the, the sort of the secular secular calendar that that um that, that is now in place and a lot of those things at the end uh the members of the army or, or whatever the organization is they, they normally sign pledges or they they sign up you know we will uh, support we will be allies to the lgbtq community or whatever group it, it might be and of course at the time when they first started doing that i guess 10 15 years ago it felt fairly innocuous you know it's a decent thing to do yes we we will support these subgroups within our within our um uh staff group or or, or whatever uh, but now i think those pledges are very pernicious they are because that's what is happening in these organizations they're pointing towards a pledge or something that was signed or something that was said or something that was promised and saying, you see, now we've got someone saying um, uh, that uh, women can't be men or men can't be women. Now you have to live up to what you promised. And so they're, they're, they're calling they're, they're in a very sneaky way, in a very nasty way, they're calling on the honor of the organization and, of course, what's more honorable than the army and saying, you promised you'd support us if you're honourable people, you need to support us now without realising they've fallen into a trap. And actually, at the end of the day, they're persecuting people of honour.
1: It's it's this move from tolerance of minorities of various kinds to positive affirmation, the requirement that we've talked about that that you must not just tolerate, but you must celebrate and promote and endorse. And it's not debatable. Um, And it's not debatable. And so somewhere in the 2010s, that there's, there's been this mission creep mm. from tolerance to, to affirmation, um, which has been hugely deleterious to all of our institutions. But, I mean, you, you kind of, uh, at one stage, you kind of expect this sort of thing to be going on in a sociology or an English department at a university. I mean, that's, that's just what happens. People have daft ideas and there are huge bust-ups about it. But the idea that this is taking root in the army, um, but clearly it is. And, and as you've described, Tom, there are these, these sort of parallel Structures. I mean, the, I, I think that the, the term, actually, the correct military terminology, would be commissar, because yeah. you, you you have you have sort of officers embedded within each each unit of the army, promoting a a political or philosophical ideology, um, yeah. and and so the end result is this that, that there is this this network that is able to, to to have somebody with such a distinguished record placed under investigation. Yeah,
0: members of the party who are embedded it's almost yeah. it's almost feels like yeah the political police are there uh, yeah. saying oh this person isn't towing the line now they may be the most distinguished member of 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 the service but if they're not towing the political line they're dangerous they need to be got rid of you're absolutely right it's uh it, it, it's it's terrifying political persecution in effect that is that is taking place one
1: of the points that, that Colonel Wright made was to say, it makes you wonder who is running the army, the chief of the defense staff or Stonewall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Well, that, and that, and reminds, a... that reminds me of uh, <laughs> my favorite clip, a little bit of light relief from yes. Yes. Minister. When, uh, I think it's Sir Humphrey and talking to Jim hacker and they're discussing whether, uh, the British, uh, whether who runs Britain is it the British government or is it the U S government? And, uh, uh, they argue. You know, hacker says, "Well, of course, it's the British." <laughs> they say, "Well, no, we argue that in the staff canteen. We talk about that all the time." And Sir Humphrey says, "I have to be. I have to admit to being a little bit of a heretic. I think it might be the British government." <laughs> <laughs> but the rest, the rest of us yep. pretty much know and think it's the U.S. or whatever it, whatever it was. I think it was the U.S. and the U.K. I mean, again, wow, that clip from the 1980s. Who really runs Britain? Well, we've got the same thing, except it's a lot more pernicious. It's not a great ally like the U.S. It's, it's an internal group that no one's elected. No one's, it's, not, it's not accountable. It's Stonewall, for goodness sake. That's, that's terrifying that's terrifying
1: yeah even after all the revelations that we were talking about last week that you know st- the Stonewalls position three years ago was pretty much unassailable in public life but but obviously now it's 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 right rightly taken several pretty serious knocks yeah um, but still uh, it, it lingers on and is able to exert this this sort of influence uh, or its ideas certainly are um but there's been a there's been a development so we're speaking now on uh, at Monday lunchtime And late on Sunday evening, Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, uh, took to Twitter, I think is the correct tabloid parlance, um, and he put out a pretty strong and, unfortunately for Ben Wallace, completely factually incorrect statement. Mm. He said that the week had been full of, and this is a direct quote, really rubbish and untrue stories in the media. He cited three stories, the second of which was the story of Colonel Wright that had been reported initially by Ewan Somerville in The Telegraph, and he'd been picked up by The Express. And the Mail on Sunday also spoke to Colonel Wright and ran a story about his distinguished career as well. And then Ben Wallace said, with respect to uh, Colonel Wright's story... Again, this is a direct quote, incredibly, Colonel Dr. Wright was not forced out of the army. His views are not contrary to army policy. Colonel Wright's administrative investigation stemmed from army social media policy and had nothing to do with his views. End quote. Now, the trouble for Ben Wallace is that I have the emails right in front of me um, that show that neither of those two claims are true. So I don't know where he's got those points from. Someone's misinformed him he's been briefed badly perhaps i don't know um but it it, but it is a fact that the the investigation to colonel wright um was about the army's transgender policy and whether he'd said something that that was foul foul of that policy and therefore
0: transphobic um, but that, and that's the a story in the, itself, Ben, isn't it? That, yeah. that um, yeah. dis, dis, disregard for facts that, as you say, you've got the emails right in front of you and yeah. uh, you can see the, the paper trail, uh, the way that the facts have played out in practice. Uh, and I think the best interpretation is that he's been badly briefed. But that's a story. I mean, the civil services briefing uh, in this way is... It's not unusual to us either in the Free Speech Union that there's a sort of political spin uh, to so much of this briefing, particularly since Brexit and particularly since um, uh, some of those sort of populist and in inverted commas uh, movements of the last few years that the, the establishment, the new elite, whatever we want to call it, are are digging their heels in, clawing clawing uh, onto uh, power as much as they possibly can, and so it wouldn't then be surprising for a minister of the crown to be to be briefed so poorly um but i think that that is a story in itself uh, maya forstatter had uh, quote tweeted what ben Wallace had said
1: and uh, she said where have we heard this before mm. she didn't lose her job it's not what she said it's how she said it blah 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 these are the lines that that we hear all the time um from employers whether it's the army or university or whatever yeah. trying to defend its conduct when it's sacked somebody or investigated somebody um because they've expressed you know my pretty mild gender critical views yeah. um and of course Maya Forstater has just in the last week been awarded a hundred thousand pounds in compensation after her landmark um case against her former employer and so the significance of her case is that she uh, she it all hinged on whether um, holding gender-critical beliefs, i.e. you think that um, transgender ideology is, is nonsense, you're mm. concerned about protecting women's rights and women's spaces and so on, that holding those beliefs is worthy of respect in a democratic society, um, and therefore whether it's protected by the Equality Act as a uh, religion or belief. Mm. Um, and because of her case, the answer to that that question is yes, and it's, it's been a, a very hearted, long, yes. difficult journey. Yeah. 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 it has been it's been a hell of a struggle for her to get there. Um, but thanks to her and her legal team, we are in a position where every day, I mean, the free speech union is, is constantly relying on on that yeah. bit of law that, that she and her team have built um, to defend our members, uh, because there isn't really very much free speech law really that we we can rely on there's the new higher education act for um for universities in england which is great um but in mm. terms of of an employer and an employee so one of the things we have to lean on very heavily is is this uh, religion and belief and trying to expand the definition of belief as much as possible. So that's a big triumph for her personally, but it's also very significant for, um, for everybody else.
0: And it's interesting, Ben, because we've talked about Maya Forstata and it's, yeah, this is the, the most recent piece of the the story, but the Maya Starter journey has gone on for, for, for years now uh, with successes along the way of, of varying degrees. and, institutions and leaders should be well aware that uh, the case establishes the right of individuals, of, of staff members to, to hold gender-critical views and yet seem not to be or seem to turn a blind eye, clinging exactly onto what you just said there, Ben, which is the, um, the way it was said or the, the context in which it was yeah. said or how it was said is enough to kind of, to kind of shut that down still um and it certainly makes me think of our casework where as we say, 25% of our cases relate to gender critical views. And it's growing. That this is this is the worrying thing. It's grown up to since 2021 through 2022 it grew to a third of our cases, and it's and it's growing up beyond that um in 2023. So we're, we're watching the stats still grow despite the wins along the way. And they're so important, the wins. They do mean that if you're willing to go through the process, we've got the protections. Uh, however, the numbers of cases that are coming in are, are showing no sign of abating, sadly.
1: I think it's just taking such a long time for the implications of what um, my MyFourStatter1 to, to filter down to the level of people doing training on the Equality Act, say, yeah. um, or for HR professionals or whatever. Um, and and there's still, I mean, we see this very regularly with, with people contacting us saying, I've, I've been um placed under investigation for my gender critical views. I mean, I, I mean, almost not a day goes past without us having a fresh inquiry of that kind. it's It's very, very frequent still, as you say, yeah um and there still just seems to be this lack of awareness among uh, employers and you know even people who should know better, yeah. you know, civil service and so on um that actually you can hold these views, and it is a completely reasonable perspective. Um, and it's it's just this classic problem that that we talk about, I think, every week, of, of cliques of people at yeah. the top of institutions who only speak to people who agree with them, um, and think that anybody
0: who doesn't must be um, off the of some. But well, the crazy thing, of course, yeah. is that being a solicitor or being an only as an actuary, you know, part of being an actuary is staying on top of the latest legislation, staying on top of the latest. Uh, things that are going on in the actuarial world, and that's what you're meant to do to be professional. Uh, people's clients are paying for your advice, for your insight, and you should be able to bring to that conversation the latest cases, uh, the latest things that have happened in the world of technical modelling. If you're if you're doing a technical thing like actuarial work, and if you're not doing that, the client isn't getting what they're paid for, which is your cutting-edge insight into the problem you're dealing with. And yet we're seeing professional organisations in medicine, in whatever it may be, regulatory organisations still not seeing this, still not grasping this uh, when it comes to, as you say, the Equality Act and what the latest interpretation of the Equality Act is. Um, but, um, Ben, I'm very excited. Am I allowed to talk about statistics and surveys? Yes, and- you are. What, you can, what we what you we, you can we talk about this.
1: for 2 minutes no longer and then I'll I'll buzz you or, or cancel you or You'll cancel me. You.
0: <laughs> I've been for 2 minutes it's so got
1: to be- I've been bursting to be very about
0: the, uh, the 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 results of our cancel culture survey, and and I apologise. Uh, I don't have too many stats. I don't have too many um, numbers to to for for folk like Ben who 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 struggle with the numbers. Go <laughs> sure on, go plenty for of folk go who love them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we 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 we. Put out a, a cancel culture survey, I think it 's probably about two months ago now, and the, the, the results are in and they are they 're very interesting, as I said in the monthly newsletter, I thought they were quite illuminating um, not for, 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 from several angles and, and we looked at it from. Uh, well, three angles that really, really stuck out. The first is the significant effect that cancel, being cancelled had on people's mental health and their well-being. And we, we did ask a specific question on that. And it turned out that um, only 25%, so one in four of those who had been affected by cancel culture and responded to our survey, uh, only one in four said that it had, had no effect, either in the long term or the short term, on their well-being. And that's a huge number, therefore. So 75% of people who who have a brush with cancel culture are affected. Their well being is impacted. It's it's a huge number, but it's not a surprise, I don't think, is it, Ben? You are seeing the emails that are coming in from people every day. Um, and and something we we always um, talk to our members about and saying this is having this doubtless having a huge impact on you. Can we help? In any way, and, and we we have different ways in which we can we can point people in in the direction of help, but uh, there's no doubt that, the, that it takes a real toll on people. So we're we're actually going to have a look at doing some research as the Free Speech Union into the mental health impact of ca- being cancelled. The second thing is that um, we wondered, how, you know, how 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 much of a surprise was it when people were cancelled? Did it come out of the blue? Were they expecting it? And 20% only said that the cancel culture experience they had was totally unexpected. So that's a pretty depressing number as well, that people are expecting now their free expression to be shut down. It does have a positive spin. Maybe people are preparing themselves to be cancelled. Maybe they're stealing themselves for the inevitable. Uh, But that itself is a fairly damning indictment of where we are with regard to freedom of expression.
1: Um, on that last point i suppose you could look at it either way because if if you're if you're sort of treading on eggshells and that's that's what i've felt yeah. you know n- not working yeah. for the free speech union but previously <laughs> because th- there is just this this climate of of, of sort of omnipresent anxiety that that seems to pervade. So you have that feeling of treading on, treading on eggshells and not really being able to uh, speak openly without there being some sort of uh, you know, consequence. And I, I don't mean a consequence in somebody disagreeing with you. I mean a consequence in you being investigated or, or yeah. you know, put, yeah. put under some yeah. censure of some kind. Um, so you can look at it that way. Or um, on the other hand, it, it's people who who know basically that they are going to get in trouble and go ahead with expressing their view Anyway, which is very, very courageous and in in many ways, very admirable, very difficult thing thing to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But one of one of one of the sort of growth areas we're seeing in our in our statistics um, that I mean, it's hard to imagine something that would cause more anxiety or stress. Um, is is financial cancellation or financial exclusion, and people being uh, shut off from their bank accounts? And um, this has happened to Nigel Farage last week. He's he's announced that he's been in this battle with his uh, his bank, which he didn't name, but it is rumoured to be Cootes, um, who uh, we'd been tipped off about, in fact, because they'd added this clause about discriminatory conduct. Um, Which, of course, is is incredibly broadly defined. And and we have this situation now where banks are cutting people off from their accounts because of their political beliefs. And there's no no legal process. There's no real recourse. It's entirely secretive. And they might let you know or they might not. You might just try and use your card uh, in Tesco one
0: day and find that it doesn't work anymore. It's terrifying, Ben. I think financial exclusion as a whole new type of claim is scary. And when I saw the the report, so we, we, we obviously had our brush with PayPal. It's now kicked off again with um, Nigel Farage and many others. In an, and in our stats now, we've got over 40. Some of those people are just notifying us that they're worried. They're just notifying us that they've written to their MP about six or seven of those 42. Some of us, Some of those are just telling us about historical cases. Uh, uh, or, or a friend of theirs who 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 who's who's struggled or or an organization that they were a part of who had their bank bank shut down but wow this sort of we've we've lifted we've picked up the stone and looked at what's under the stone because of our PayPal event and because of what's happened with Nigel Farage and the cr- number of creepy crawlies under the stone that shows that these institutions all the pretty much all the major high street brands uh, of banks, building societies, crowdfunding platforms, and um, uh, yeah, the donation area, all those all those new infrastructure that's been built around financial services and uh, for financial services provision. It's full of creepy crawlies, by which I mean this is really happening and it has been happening for some time. Um, so our stats are starting to blow up. And again, I think this probably kept you going over the weekend, seeing people come in right into us and say, here's another yeah. example, here's another example of where this has happened to us. I,
1: I said, um, I spoke to Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk TV this morning, Monday morning, um, and I said to her, it's like these banks are basically putting up signs saying no feminists, no Brexiteers, no lockdown sceptics. Yeah. and uh you know that there's just, there's this category isn't there that you will know better than i of being a politically exposed person i say that not because you're a politically exposed person but because of your <laughs> what are you your, saying then your career your 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 hinterland in these uh, these financial
0: that's right. that's right um, yeah. yeah
1: yeah and uh, and the trouble of course with that is, it, is it's being interpreted uh, very very broadly and uh, as we've described, there's no, you know, this, these aren't decisions being made in a, in a court of law. A bank basically decides you're too controversial and say, we're going to close your account. But again, I mean, as with the the situation with, with Colonel Wright that we talked about earlier, um, it's not just a case, I think, of, of, of kind of being fearful about what's happening. We, we want to act. Yeah. And last year, we met with the city minister the free speech union met with the city minister and and lobbied the government to change financial regulations uh, to ensure that it was impossible for banks and payment service providers of various kinds to close customers bank accounts purely for um political reasons for because of their their political views um so and now it, the chancellor jeremy hunt um has said that he's deeply concerned by this over the weekend um, and there will be an investigation into this issue. So we'll have to see what comes of that. Um, we're, we're not just sort of accepting us as a victory and not thinking about it ever again. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's really important to th- follow through. Um, but but it it's very, very quiet problem.
0: after the consultation closed in April, I think, Ben, you know, th- this consultation on financial services provision closed a goodly while ago now. And it's just been radio silence. And and, and yes, it's good to hear that it's going to be many people come back to in a few weeks time. However, um, it's urgent. This is urgent people are being turned into non people which is a phrase obviously I heard we heard over the week over the weekend over the last week or so they're being turned into non people if you can't use your bank this is now very urgent and and very, very um, odd that we are in a position where your political views can can mean you can't even participate in society. So, we we do need we, and we will be following this up. And you'll be making many more appearances, I'm sure, on 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 TV and 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 with the press to to, to push this as well.
1: I think th- this again is 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 one of those stories, and, and this is a point I keep coming back to, where I think if people who weren't following these issues. Overheard us talking about this, or, or tuned into the podcast and, and listened to a few minutes of us discussing this issue, or a few minutes of us talking about what happened to Colonel Wright. Um, I, I think there would there would be a profound sense of of disbelief and doubt, and I think there would be a significant number of people who just simply wouldn't believe what we were saying is true because it sounds so far fetched, um, and, and it, it, it just it's almost like the brain can't quite compute some of these things because it they just don't sound credible. I mean, it it sounds like I mean, honestly, I've I've made this point. I don't want to labour it too much, but but if you played this recording to somebody five years ago, they'd think we were raving fantasists, yeah. or conspiracy theorists, or, or 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 you know people living in 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 in, in basements spouting mad theories on Twitter. But yeah, we're all the of crazy this is happening people. right now.
0: We're the crazy yeah, people. And,
1: and it, yeah, and and I wonder if there's been a kind of. A kind of Martha Mitchell effect, where where people on the sort of fringes have been warning about some of these things for quite a long time, yeah. um, and and they've just they've just not been believed, the, and and uh, and actually all of it seems to be coming to coming to pass. Well, we um, we we so we know
0: it, that cancel culture's been described as a right wing myth, I think Ben, and and yeah. again that's something that yeah. came out of our survey. Just getting back to that last stat from the survey uh, is that cancel culture is not a right wing myth mostly yes uh in the in the respondents we had most of them were were right of center there's no doubt about that but 21% were center or left of center and 21% were politically homeless and those 21% who were politically homeless had an opportunity to declare themselves as right of center and didn't so 42% un- would did not declare themselves to be right of center it really is the case um even with all the self-selection of the people who may have answered that survey. It really is good. This is not, a, this is not a, a right-wing myth. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is something that is is very real and is affecting people.
1: Well, I mean, it's a bit of
0: anecdata to supplement that.
1: I spent most of 2021 and 2022 speaking to Um, very left-wing, gender-critical, feminist, lesbians who were just horrified by the direction the trans debate was going in at that time. Um, And and the number of conversations I've had with people that went along this sort of format of, um, well, I I don't particularly agree with Toby Young about anything and I don't read The Spectator and I wasn't really sure we needed a free speech union, but this thing has just happened to me uh, and I'm really concerned about it and I need your help. And our response to that is always, welcome aboard, we'll do everything we can to help you. So It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where. yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah,
1: yeah I, there's 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 never any kind of sneering about oh well you know you should have listened there's none of that because p- people have people have to catch up with these things and if, if you find yourself on the wrong side of it we'll do everything we can to help you whether you agree with Toby or not that's not the issue um but the number of conversations i've had with that you know w- with people on, on the left the far left the center left um who have needed our assistance particularly about the trans debate but you know other stuff as well
0: well the thing the thing that on these surveys, I love the stats. Obviously, I love the stats. And I love pulling out and seeing what the, 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 main, the main observations are uh, just from the stats. But I think some of the most interesting parts of that are the personal stories that people give us at the end of uh, the survey. We give people an opportunity to say, well, what, 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 what was your experience of cancel culture? And there were also so many I could have picked. But one, one that struck me was I'm a teacher. I estimate that about 50% of staff and students fear raising certain perspectives for fear of being labelled. A sorry state of affairs. I'm a teacher. I estimate that about 50% of staff and students fear raising certain perspectives. And it's not surprising to you and me, Ben, but it still is surprising. 50% of staff and students in a school are scared of, of raising certain perspectives. This is a place of education. This is young minds, uh spongy minds wanting to sort of suck up all of the knowledge and the facts and the history and the and, and, and the, the the world that they, they're living in and they're already self censoring. And I don't know whether that's a secondary school and I don't know whether that's a primary school. But even if it's a secondary school, they're not even eighteen, they're not even at university yet and they're they're self censoring. Uh what kind of a country well, are we?
1: I mean, as our listeners know, and as people have seen from the case of Rye College two or three weeks ago, where two teenage girls were raising their concerns and expressing their views about about these issues, um, and this is a school where there was a student identifying as a cat. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, again, it's just, that's just that's just in that category of stuff that that you say it and you make yourself sound ludicrous because so many people just simply wouldn't believe that that could be going on because it's so absurd but it is and there's a there's a recording of this conversation and the, these these two girls being absolutely berated by their teacher and anyway the school's had an Ofsted inspection there's been a snap Ofsted
0: inspection so we'll see what comes of that but um, but the thing is Ben if I was sat at home listening to that uh, Rye College incident I would have a slightly different view because the you know there have been statements saying no one at the school identifies as a cat you know and 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 kind of saying the opposite but what you have to look at is the wording you have to look at what they're saying they're saying well actually no student currently does that doesn't mean there wasn't a recording where there was this discussion and and this sort of implication in the moment of something strange happening but it's it, it it's all again the wordings that are used by the institutions to describe the situation and to say it's not as you reported are so carefully put together so that the institution comes out looking okay um and kind of burying some of the pertinent most germane facts that might actually shed a little bit more light from a different perspective
1: well we've been helping the mother of one of the peoples and i was talking to her about this statement the college had made and i said to her that it's like the bill clinton line there is no affair i did not have sex with that woman (laughs) yeah so well, no, but no, that, that's a lie. The sexual relations claim is, is of course, a lie. But to say there is no affair is technically truthful. And so Rye College's statement that there is no student identifying as a cat is technically truthful at the time they make it. But, of course, it's not addressing the, the, the substantive issue that people are actually interested in about whether there was a pupil identifying as a cat um, and, and how they're responding to these um, these these identity claims that young people are being encouraged to make. Um uh, and the way in which they're they're suppressing students who are saying, well, actually, hang on, this is this is. I was about to say barking mad, but that's not quite right, is it? Because we're talking about <laughs> chat. meowing mad. Um, yeah, so there's not really an equivalent phrase, but you know what I
0: mean. I know exactly um, what you mean. I really do. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Um, but what a week it's been, Ben. A deluge of cases, and uh, one thing I was thinking when we're going back to that financial exclusion case, um, we are. Always keen to hear from listeners and members of the Free Speech Union of well, their experience potentially being uh, financially excluded, or their experience of an organisation that they might have been involved in being financially excluded. Um, we're I, I think it's fair to say, I'm looking at a rather tired Ben who's had a very busy weekend, but we're still always, yes, <laughs> always, we'll add it to our data and 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 obviously if there's a live case, we'll we'll we're we'll, we'll absolutely look into it. Uh, but we'd love to get that database up to scratch with how, how, how uh, pervasive is this? As I say, when we picked up that rock and saw all those creepy crawlies, we were shocked. Uh, but I think we've only got half the picture. We, scarily, we might even only have a third of the picture as to what might have been going on for a long while. So we're, we're, we're really keen to hear from people on, on instances that we may not, may not already be aware of. The the thread that's been
1: or one of the threads that's been running through all of the things we've talked about has, of course, been LGBTQIA plus and um, Stonewall and Pride and all the rest of it. And Tom, you were at Pride over the weekend.
0: I what was. Did you make I went to Pride. I was uh, as curious this year just to find out um, what it's like uh how it's compared to, I don't know how long ago it was. I was there last, probably 10 years ago. I've marched on it a couple of times. But uh it really struck. I was there from twelve thirty, Ben, and the parade was still going by six hours later, which just goes to show when we talk about how many organisations are caught up in LGBTQ uh, sort of uh, the influence of those groups. And there are some groups that should be there, obviously, you know, things that are first and foremost LGBTQ organisations. But then you also have you have the unions, you have the civil service, you have the, the armed forces that we talked about earlier, you have companies, sports groups, industry groups, there are church groups, there are the political groups. I couldn't find the conservative group. But, um, I mean, there are certain groups, I think it would be quite dangerous for them to march, actually, I think, uh, given the, the, the way that it's um, such a divisive area at the moment. But what really struck me is how much it's not about the Ls, the Gs, and the Bs, it seems, very much about the transgender ideology, and all the walking groups had a little a little thing that they held with the name of their walking group, and they had the trans colors on that, and uh, it, all the sloganeering that was there from the side side of the road was was no lgb without the t trans rights are human rights turfs out that's trans exclusionary radical feminists which is a fairly nasty insult for for people who who simply say that uh, you know a man can't become a woman and a woman can't become a man just a biological reality but that sloganeering was was everywhere and uh, there was no, there was no getting away from it, and people were really sort of stepping back from the L, the G, and the B. So it's changed. It's completely changed. It's huge, bigger than it ever has been. And what that makes me worry about, Ben, is how difficult it's going to be to fight back. So I kind of spent a day in, in the, in, as it were, an enemy territory. Although I wish it wasn't enemy territory, but it, it felt like that. Um, and I came away. Thinking we've got some work ahead of us. We've definitely got some work ahead of... I feel there's some cognitive dissonance there as well. So my friends, um, who are mainly on the LGB side, uh, my friends go along, they participate, they enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I I, I talk to the, a lot of them, and they also sort of quietly agree that they're, they're sort of the identitarian politics is a bit out of hand. And yet we still have this reality on the exterior. So... Yeah, it was uh it was a fun day, it was a depressing day, it was an exhilarating day, but uh it's not what it used to be, I think then.
1: It sounds like you have the feeling I have when I go to a, an old parish church in, in my neck of the woods mm. and uh and, and see a sort of drum kit installed <laughs> where the, the 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 church is is familiar and uh, uh you know part of my life, but there is also this sort of alien presence there and a sense in which it, it it's just sort of being co-opted by by something else by by another another agenda
0: um co-opted seem and is it, exactly the right word yeah. it's exactly the right word and and the conversations the interesting conversations do take place one-to-one I, i've you know obviously spent a lot of time talking to people on saturday and people are not crazy most people are not crazy and and they have doubts nice. but but you know the, the voices; the other voices are so loud and drowning out, drowning them out at the moment. So uh, we're at a we're at an interesting point in in this whole story. It's difficult because
1: it, it, again, it's one of those things where if you if you complain about Stonewall or about Pride or about Pride flags or whatever, it, it's very easy to be painted or to find yourself painted as as being motivated by bigotry of yeah. some kind. And uh, and uh, you know, it's a completely legitimate thing, it seems to me, for gay people, lesbians trans people to have um, organizations representing and campaigning for their interests of course that's a legitimate thing to be going to to be going on Um, but but of course that that's not the the problem the problem is is when those things become coercive when we move as we've discussed from tolerance to to compulsory affirmation of of other people's choices and, and the way they live their lives and their preferences and all the rest of it and and there has to be room for people in a pluralistic society, to to opt out of that affirmation.
0: We're not good at being discriminatory, which is not always a bad word. We need to discriminate between the groups who genuinely are vulnerable with needs and the groups who kind of come in under the radar and have a very clear political uh, agenda. And if we're not willing to discriminate and distinguish between the two, we're not doing our job right. And you know, I I I feel the word discriminate being, having discrimination, is is just bad. But actually, it's essential. We've got to be able to distinguish between a, a, a vulnerable group who need support and a and and who need who are on a journey and who are you know not 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 necessarily able to participate in our society in ways that they should be able to participate versus these groups who have an agenda. And these are very dark places, some of these groups, but they're all commingled. They're all commingled. They're all marching in front of you. They're like, I mean, yes, there's a New Testament reference, like wolves in sheep's clothing, a lot of these people. And the wolves are out there. There are some sheep, but there are some wolves dressed as sheep. And uh I think it takes discrimination another another I'll take another New Testament reference we need to be uh wiser serpents and innocent as doves to distinguish between them. Uh and I think uh, that's that's a challenge because uh it doesn't come naturally. We want to be nice. We it, want to be good people.
1: It's not how I describe the British army's
0: HR operation after the the weekend I've had uh, <laughs> and observed. No. no not not not, uh, not wise as serpents and not innocent as doves. Um, yeah. Indeed yeah. not.
1: Well, on that note, we will keep you posted about all of these things in our newsletters, on social media, and, of course, next week. Um, things are moving very fast, so no doubt there's going to be a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah, very much. And we thank all our listeners for their support and for, the, for, for keeping us posted on all of this. And we will continue to fight the uh, the free speech battles on every front. We promise that.
1: Uh, remember, membership starts at just £2.49 a month. So whether you think you are going to uh, need it, whether you think you're treading on eggshells at work or university university, wherever you are, and you're in danger of being cancelled, you can join and we'll help you. Or maybe you just want to make a stand and help people like Colonel Wright, who have faced this horrendous investigation and been forced out of the army because of it. Uh, join £2.49 a month, and we'll be glad to help you if you ever need us. Thank you and goodbye.